to Acts 9 tonight, uh, for lack of a better place to go. Uh, Brother Caleb was talking this morning about doing four sermons, and I asked him if he had one for tonight. Uh, one time I got up years ago in the old building, and uh, I didn't really have anything. You preachers know what I'm talking about. I was kind of hoping the service would break out into testimonies or singing, and it, that didn't go that way, and I'd done tried everything I know to get it to go some way, and so finally I seen I, it, it wasn't going to happen, so I got up, and I said, does anybody want to testify? Nobody said a word. I said, has anybody got another song? Nobody said a word. I said, does anybody want to preach? And Eddie said, I do, I do. And Brother Eddie came up and preached for about two hours. He was, he was set on go. Amen. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, the Bible said, And Saul, that's Paul as we know him, but Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to earth and heard a voice, saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. But he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into that city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand, and they brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Thank you. Be seated. Our fathers, we come this afternoon, Lord. It's already been, Lord, good to be in the prayer room and the fellowship with the men uh, before service. And uh, Lord, then to come in here and uh, to be blessed with the Lord sending us some help tonight, Lord, in the service with uh, some uh, special uh, singing by some special people. And we thank you, Lord, for their willingness to uh, be used of the Lord. And uh, now, Lord, as we come, I know it's a busy weekend, and uh, I know folks have already been busy, and uh, many of them are tired as I am in my own body. Lord, we come. Knowing that God can make us and make us alive and refresh us and just a cool peace out of heaven, uh, Lord can refresh us tonight. And uh, I pray that Lord, you bless uh, the Word of God and let us leave here in just a little while. And I'm glad we came this way. Thank you, Lord, that our bags still flying. Thank you, we still have the freedom to worship. And I know we're mess, but God has been merciful to us and. We haven't got as of yet what we deserve, and we thank you for being a merciful God. Bless the churches across the land that are meeting and trying to do the right thing. Bless your people that are trying to live for God, and we pray sinners will wake up before it's too late. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The Bible is our road map. Uh, Donald Houchins and Barbara years ago when we was up in the mission building on the square, and uh, it's just them, and we didn't have a piano player. Brother Donald played the guitar, and uh, was glad to get it. And uh, but him and Barbara used to sing, "I'm using my Bible for a road map," and uh, that's an old song and a good song. But the Bible is filled with streets and lanes uh, all through the Bible. Isaiah uh, talked about the King's Highway uh, in the book of Isaiah. Jesus spoke of the broad way that many are on that leadeth to destruction. 
Uh, he also spoke in that same chapter about the narrow way. And he said few there would be that would find it. John writes of the streets of Jerusalem in Revelations chapter 11 and talks about those witnesses that are laying there in the streets of Jerusalem. Jesus said go out into the hedges and highways and compel men to come in. That's what we were doing yesterday to a certain degree. And Paul, Paul has his Romans road, even though it's not designated as that in the Bible. Many of us have been down that road, amen. And we didn't wind up at Rome, we wound up at the cross, thank God. And we got saved, praise the Lord for that. But I want us to turn our attention tonight to this street called Straight. The Bible said that he said Ananias, he said arise and go into that street which is called Straight. Now that will be a right turn for you tonight. If you get on Straight Street, that will be a right turn for you tonight. Be a good street to go on, amen. And I want to preach tonight on a few minutes tonight on this thought. Have you been on straight street? Or where is it? Where is this street called straight? Have you been on it? Uh, Well, when we read here in the Bible, we know tonight Paul was on it. And uh, we know God sent Ananias over there to pray for Paul. And we know that Paul wound up on straight street. I hope you got a straight street in your life. Uh, You say, what do you mean? Well, Saul was saved on straight street. I realize that there is a lot of of question about when did Paul get saved. Well, the Bible said in verse 8, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened. To me, that's when you get saved, when you get your eyes open. You say, well, he couldn't see anything. He see the Lord, amen. And uh, I want you to know, listen, I think that's, that's salvation when you get your eyes open. Uh, I remember that story that used to tell years ago about the little boy and his cat had had kittens. Uh, and he went over to his neighbor's house and he said, uh, would you like to look at my kittens? Uh, and he showed them them little kittens one right after the other. And the man said, what kind of kittens are they? And he said, they're Catholic kittens. Uh, and a few days later, he went back, and the man, uh, he said, uh, I want to see your kittens again. He showed them to him, and he said, uh, what kind of kittens are they? And he said, they're Baptist kittens. Uh, he said, the other day, you said they're Catholic kittens. He said, yeah, but they got their eyes open now. Amen. And I want you to know, listen, I'm glad that salvation is an eye-opener uh, for the child of God. And there was Saul on straight street. And he got his eyes open to the light. Look at it there in verse 3. And the Bible said, As he journeyed, he came near, near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. It happens that way a lot of times. I, I know that Paul is, not the, uh, Paul is not the best example uh, of New Testament salvation. I know Paul is an exceptional case. I, and if you really wanted to look at New Testament example, you'd need to go to that eunuch in the book of Acts uh, who said, here's water, why can't I get baptized? He said, do you believe on Jesus? He said, I believe with all my heart. And he stopped it, amen. Uh, uh, that jailer would be a good one. Uh, that jailer come running to Paul and he said, what must I do to be saved? Uh, and he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But yet we see a lot of things here that we can identify with uh, in the conversion of Saul. The Bible said that he saw the light. He got his eyes open. Old Hank Williams Jr. wrote that song that's still popular today on I Saw the Light. Uh, uh, Years ago I read in a Free Will Baptist Sunday School quarterly and uh, it told about uh, Hank Williams being with Minnie Pearl and uh, a couple of them other old uh, country singers, and they were doing a big show down in Dallas or Houston somewhere. And uh, it said that uh, Hank Williams that he had gotten uh, he had gotten drunk, and that was his uh, had a problem with that. He's always drinking, and he got drunk. And they was trying to sober him up for the show that night. Minnie Pearl 
And I think Ernest Tubb and somebody else was riding him around. They was trying to get him sobered up, giving him coffee and things. And Minnie Pearl said, let's sing I Saw the Light. And so they all started singing, I saw the light, I saw the light. And they was riding down the road, and all at once Hank Williams said, stop it, wait a minute. He said, there is no light, there is no light, there is no light. Uh, well, that's an awful good song uh, for somebody that didn't know God, uh, but just writing a song don't mean you know God. Amen. Uh, I, I hope he did find the light and see the light and all of that. But I want you to know, listen, old Saul got his eyes open on that Damascus road. He got his eyes open to who the Lord was. Uh, he didn't know who the Lord was. And he said, Lord, who art thou? Uh, and if you've got any doubt about who the Lord is, uh, he didn't say it's Muhammad. He didn't say it's Buddha. Uh, he said, Lord, who art thou? And he said, I'm Jesus. Amen. Uh, I'm glad I got my eyes open to who the Lord is. The Lord is Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the only Lord, the only Savior. Uh, and boy, you ought, to be, you ought to thank God tonight. You know that if you do know that because there's a lot of people that don't know that. If you had a mom and dad that pointed you to Christ or a grandma or grandfather, you ought to thank God for it tonight because there's a lot of heathen in the world that don't know who the Lord is. He got his eyes open to himself. See, Paul thought he was some big man. Uh, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin. He said that concerning the law, he was blameless. Concerning the law, Paul thought he was something else. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel. But you know, on that Damascus road, Paul seen what we all have to see if we ever get saved. Paul seen he was nothing. Paul seen that he was a sinner that needed Christ. Amen. I'm glad there was a day in my life, Brother Sammy, that I realized I was a nobody and nothing and I needed Jesus and I couldn't save myself and only the Lord could do that. Amen. And thank God He did it. He did it. Amen. You see, on that Damascus road, Saul got saved somewhere on the, in the course of that Damascus road. Somebody said he didn't get saved till he got baptized. Well, I don't believe that. Because verse 17 said, And Ananias went his way, and he entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. I don't think he'd called him brother if he hadn't been saved to you. And he didn't, he didn't get all that other to laughter that. And so, have you ever been on straight street? Do you have some place where you are saved? For me, it'd be out Temple Hill Baptist Church. For somebody else, it might be on the, the house uh, street number where you live. But you ought to have some place that you can call your straight street uh, where that you got saved. Amen. And if you ain't saved, you need to get saved uh, because time is running out. Amen. Well, the Bible said in Acts 9 11 that they told Ananias, said Ananias, the Lord said, Arise and go to that street which is called straight and inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Taurus. And Ananias said, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done for the saints at Jerusalem. But the Lord said, Behold, he prayeth. When you find somebody that really prays, you don't have to worry about them. They ain't going to hurt you. Baptists have never been violent people. You can go back through the Book of Martyrs and uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, Martyrs Mirror, them different books. And Baptists have never been uh, the kind of people uh, that was like some others were in that day. Baptists have always been known as singing people. Amen. Uh, why do people sing? People sing because God, when they get saved, God puts a song in their heart, even praise unto our God. People sing because they're happy, amen, unless they're singing the blues. They sing because they're happy. And used to, when I was a boy growing up, you could go outside and it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be real odd to hear somebody out there singing, hanging clothes, or somebody hanging down at the milk parlor down there, uh, singing down at the milk parlor. It wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be odd to hear that. You know why folks were happy back then? 
But you know why nobody sings anymore? Nobody's happy anymore. Amen. But we need a song in our heart, even praise unto our God. And the Bible said, he said, Behold, he prayeth. Now you know and I know that Saul had already been a praying man because the religion that he had, uh, they believed in praying and praying several times a day. Amen. And uh, they prayed to the wrong God and their prayers wasn't going to get answered. And Saul, being a religious man like he was, you know Saul had prayed a lot of prayers. But you know what? He had never really prayed until he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. Amen. And the thing that, that God told Ananias, he said, Behold, he prayeth. I, I want you to know, listen, when you get saved, it's not the prayer that saves you. Uh, it's a condition of the heart. But I don't know too many people, if any, uh, uh, that didn't pray some kind of prayer uh, uh, when they got saved. And you know what? When you really get saved and get God in your heart, you're like Paul. What do you mean? Uh, well, Paul, he began to really pray on the Damascus road. He prayed to the right God. Uh, uh, he prayed the right things. Uh, and he really began to pray. Amen. And did you know once he began to pray, he never did stop praying. And I'll tell you, when you get saved and you pray to the Lord, and maybe just in your heart, maybe not with your mouth, the Lord, he can, Lord can hear heart prayers. The Bible said in 1 Samuel 1, Hannah prayed, but her lips didn't move. How did God know what she was wanting? Well, God knows the heart. God looks on the heart. Amen. Uh, some of the best prayers you'll ever pray is when you're so burdened down and broken you can't even talk and the tears flow down and there's a language in them tears, amen. Uh, I want you to know, listen, boy, Paul prayed. You say, why? Well, I'd say he was convicted, don't you? Can you imagine what it'd be like you've been arresting Christians, you've been uh, fighting this Jesus and fighting the church and having people arrested, maybe even having them killed. Uh, and you're going down the road with warrants in your hand to arrest more of them. Uh, uh, you can't stand this Jesus. You hate this Jesus. Uh, and all at once, out of nowhere, uh, a light shines about you. There come a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, you'd be shaking in your boots. The Bible said it happened suddenly. Well, a lot of times that's the way it is. Some people have a gradual thing heading towards salvation. But for most people, it was sudden. You're just sitting in church and you didn't go to get saved. You weren't planning on getting saved. You was there piddling around, maybe not even paying much attention and the invitation was given and all at once suddenly there fell about you. You fell under deep conviction. What is that? That's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And uh, I think Paul, he was praying because he was under great conviction. Had a great burden on his heart. You know what Paul did? Paul began to talk to the Lord. The Lord's talking to him. The Lord said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Somebody said the Lord won't hear a sinner's prayer. Well, we won't get into all that tonight. But I'm sure glad that God will talk to a sinner. Amen. You see, prayer is a two-way conversation. We talk to God, God talks to us. Somebody said God won't hear a sinner's prayer. Well, here's a sinner's prayer. And he asked a sinner a question. Don't you expect he's expecting him to give an answer? And Cornelius, that's a story in itself in Cornelius. Cornelius wasn't saved, but the Bible said he's up on the rooftop and he's praying. And God uh, tells Peter, you know, about it, sends him over there. And so I always say it this way. I wouldn't say God wouldn't answer a sinner's prayer, but I say he's not obligated. But you take somebody that's a child of God, he says he's obligated to hear you and to answer your prayer. Amen. The Bible's full of that stuff. And so there was a conversation. Who art thou, Lord? Don't ask the Lord something if you don't want Him to give you an answer. Now here it was immediate. Sometimes it's not immediate. Don't ask the Lord to do something for you if you don't want Him to do it. I've always been 
usually more so than I am now, but backward, bashful, and timid, and, and uh, got saved when I was 10, but I never did grow much, and rededicated my life as a grown man, but I, uh, I had to grow into it, you know, and I was nervous about witnessing somebody, and man, I'd get in awful shape ever was. But I'd be out there at work, and they'd put somebody new on the machine with us, Steve, and I'd know the Lord was wanting me to witness to them, and I'd, I'd go all day long just in misery. And uh, finally I'd say, Lord, you just help them to bring up the subject or something, and, and I'll do it. And boy, I mean, I don't know the times they turned around and said, no, don't you go to church or, you know, just something like that to open the door. That shows you how much God is willing for you and me to talk to somebody about the Lord. Amen. And so there was a conversation. That's what prayer is, a conversation between us and God. Amen. We talk to God audibly. We speak to God audibly and we open up His Word and God speaks to us. Amen. We see that there is a continuation. Once Paul prayed this initial first prayer all the way to the end of his life, you find this man praying. Once Paul believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you never find this man not believing. And I'll say that when a person gets saved, there's two things that happen once you start praying and you never quit praying. Uh, You might pray with more uh, joy and more fever and more power at times, but there's never a time that you don't quit praying if you've ever known God. Uh, And then there's never a time that you don't believe. I didn't say you wouldn't have doubts, wouldn't have uh, low spaces, but if you ever believed, you're always believed uh, uh, because we're not of them. Uh, that turn back into partition, but we're of those that believe until the saving of the soul. I, I'm glad as a 10-year-old boy I believed, and I'm glad as a 68-year-old man I believe, I believe, I believe, I, and I expect I'll always be believing. Amen. Uh, Amen. The Bible said that Saul prayed. Have you ever been on straight street where you prayed that really prayed? For the first time, God got a hold of your heart for the first time. And you might not remember what you prayed. I, I don't remember what I prayed. But I knew, do know that initial spot, that, that initial experience. I've never forgot it. And I knew I met the Lord there. And my life was never the same when I met the Lord and if you were to met me at 22 year old backslidden, not going to church much, and if you were to met me and ask me, have you ever been saved? My mind, just quicker than I could even think it, the Holy Ghost would take my mind back there to my straight street where I knelt and I asked the Lord to forgive me in so many words and thank God He did. Amen. The Bible said in verse 6, He said, And he fell to the earth, verse 4, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, I'm glad God knows her name. Why persecutest thou me? By the way, I'm glad he knows her address. He planted eyes, he said he's over there on Straight Street, over there at the house of Judas. Don't thank God, don't keep up with you. He knows where you're at, he's got your address. And the Bible said, he said, I'm, he said unto him, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I don't need to overlook this, though most of you know it. But as far as I know, Paul never laid a hand on Jesus. As far as I know it, Paul never touched the Jesus. But he said, Paul, why persecutest thou me? You see, when everybody... Whenever somebody touches one of God's children, it's just like persecuting Jesus. He takes it personal, amen. Why, you're the same way. You let somebody hurt one of your children. It's just like them hurting you. Amen. And so the Bible said, He said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Well, Saul found the will of God on Straight Street. That's where he found the will of God. He said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Notice that finding the will of God, I preached a little bit about it this morning. 
But notice finding the will of God in this sense, it involves some steps. Paul didn't learn all the will of God. God didn't lump it all on Paul when he said, Lord, uh, what would thou have me to do? The Lord didn't say, well, I'll have you be a great missionary and I'll have you to die for me one day. He didn't lump all that on him at one time, but you'll notice it involves steps. He said, arise and go into that city. You see, finding the will of God always involves doing what you know to do. Paul didn't have to wait till he got it all. The Lord told him, said, arise and go into that city. And when he started into that city, if you read the rest of the Scriptures there, you'll find that God just keeps unfolding it. And that's the way finding the will of God is. We don't find it all at once. Caleb, uh, he knew God wanted him to get saved, and he got saved. And not too long ago, he, uh, he sought the will of God about preaching the Word of God. And he sought the Lord about two years on that because he wanted to make sure. He'd come to me, as you've heard him in his testimony, and he said, Brother Rick, I think God's calling me to preach. He said, you got any advice for me? And I said, yeah, if you can do anything else and have peace about it, don't do it. Because I believe if God has got a call on your life to preach the Word of God, I don't think you can do anything else and have any peace about it at all. And uh, so it took him about two years to find out what God wanted him to do. But he don't know all that God wants him to do now. He don't know what God's going to want him to do in ten years from now. He don't know what God's will might be for him to be a missionary or for him to do something. You know, he don't know that yet. Maybe to, maybe to one day pastor this church. He don't know what the will of God is, but he'll find out. As he goes farther on down life's way, involves steps. You know it's the will of God, it involves other people. The Bible said in Acts 10, uh, the Bible said, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Notice verse 11. He said, Go to the house of Judas. Now finding the will of God sometimes involves other people to help you find the will of God. Now I'm not meaning this. I've had, I've had people to come up to me down through the years and say something stupid, you know, and they'd say, "God told me you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to receive this." And I said, "Well, that's funny. God ain't told me nothing." And I believe when God starts telling me about the will of God, the first that He'll speak to will be me. But there will, there will be people in your life, good people, praying people, godly people, that will help you find the will of God for your life. Amen. Amen. We went off up to uh, Brother Casey's the other day, and we took Davini with us, and she sung up there. And uh, all the boys was Getting, getting there early and he's coming around shaking me and Max Helen's hand. I know they didn't care nothing about us old people. <laughs> but you see, the problem was Dave and he was sitting right there. And uh, we got to talking and she, she kind of, one of the little boy there was, I think it's uh, Brother Casey's grandson. And uh, they got to talking and everything and, and uh, there in the room and Max Helen said, well, you don't never know uh, how this work out? Said you mind up, why, mind up marrying him? I said no, she won't. It ain't the will of God. <laughs> said you might move to Ohio. I said no, she won't. It won't be the will of God. Amen. But but God puts people in our life to help us to find the will of God. Churches, Sunday school teachers, preachers, evangelists, good Christian friends. They help us to find out what God's will is. Paul found the will of God, at least the start of it and the part of it on a street called straight. Have you ever had a straight street where you found the will of God? Amen. God spoke to you and said, this is, this is where I want you. I believe this with all my heart. I believe that God told Elijah, He said, you go over there by the brook Cherubeth. And He said, I'll feed you and take care of you. 
I believe if he went anywhere else, he'd starve to death. You say, why? Because God wanted him there. Amen. So there's a, there's a place, there's a work, there's something God wants us to do. And I've told preachers this uh, for a long time, young men that was thought they were being called to preach. And they said, Brother Rick said, how will I know? I said, well, God will let you know. I, how could God ever fault you for not doing something you didn't know you were supposed to do it? There's always a little element of faith that you have to step by faith. But if God wants you to go to a mission field, He'll let you know. Uh, God wants you at a certain church or a certain place, God will let you know. Amen? Well, it's on Straight Street that He found the will of God for His life. When I, was, uh, uh, when I found the will of God for me to preach, it was, it was quite a, a process. I don't know exactly how long it went, but I know our pastor had in two young evangelists and always before we'd have older men preaching. And they had two young evangelists. They was younger than I was. Uh, Brother Tim Hall, Brother Jerry Troutman. God used these men to begin to speak to my heart about preaching the Word of God. And Scotty was just a little boy then. And I was baby, really. I was holding him in my arms as them preachers were preaching. And... Uh, I looked down at Scotty and the Lord impressed upon my heart and he said there's all kinds of little boys like that that need a saved daddy and a saved mama. What's that you say, Lord? Are you talking to me? <laughs> and so I went to the, one, of those, one of those preachers at the end of the meeting. I said, how would you know if God's calling you to preach? And he said, well, so do you do anything? Do you teach Sunday school or anything? I said, I don't do nothing. He said, well, said, maybe they'll let you let you teach a Sunday school class. And I made such a mess of it, I thought it had to be preaching because I sure wasn't no good at that. But it went on, and Wilbur's, Wilbur's younger sister, she works down here, uh, or she's down here at the cleaners a lot of days, and on a Saturday night, uh, boy, I'd fought that thing. I mean, I was, a, I was a mess because of the fact that I was so backward and introverted and it wasn't that I didn't want to do it, but I just want to make sure it was the Lord because I know if it wouldn't, that I wouldn't last. I'd quit. So I'd been seeking God and saying, Lord, I need to know if it's you. And so, long story short, I went to my pastor on a Wednesday evening down to his house and, and knocked on the door and fell in the floor weeping. I said, God's called me to preach. And him and his wife both said we suspected that that was going on. Seemed like everything got better. And I went out and got in the car, and I was happy, and I got in the car. And as I started out, he said, don't tell nobody now tonight in service. And said, I'm going to announce we're going to have a surprise preacher on Sunday night. And uh, he said, we'll surprise him. He said that as I was going to the car, but I didn't really hear him. I got in the car, and the devil said, did you hear what he said? You're up, big boy, Sunday night. <laughs> From Wednesday night... Till Sunday night, well actually Saturday night, I was one miserable person. I tried to sleep all I could because I didn't think about it for sleeping. And finally I, I thought, well, I'm just going to kill myself. And I drove down to the Mathis Mill Bridge with every intention of jumping off. Somebody said, why didn't you? I said, I can't swim. But on a Saturday night, we was having a singing. And we always had a Saturday night singing once a month. And if there's anybody in the world I could count on, it was my mother-in-law. If there's anybody that believed in me or loved me, it was my mother-in-law. Nobody thought I could ever preach or do anything, and they had no reason to. But she kept telling me, I believe in you. You can do it. And on that Saturday night, we went down that singing place was packed. I was miserable. I was counting hours to when I was going to be standing up there. And they sung, and all at once, the devil turned the light on, and I got me a plan. The devil said, here's what you can do. He said, you know they'll take an offering up in the middle of service. He said, your mother-in-law sitting back there, and I looked, she's back there in the corner. He said, all you got to do when they take that offering up, you just go back there and say, Mammy, I'm sick. I'm going to have to go home. And would you tell the pastor I can't do it? 
Man, I felt pretty good. I started enjoying the singing. Had this thing worked out. And they took that break, and I looked back there. Mammy's seat's empty. She must have went to the bathroom or something. And I got up and walked back there and said, where's Mammy? They said she got sick and had to go home. You're talking about in a mess. Miserable the rest of the service, but at the end of the service, they give the invitation. And Wilbur's sister, uh, Jennifer, his younger sister, I asked her the other day, I said, you, you remember that night that you got saved and I announced my call to preach? She said, yes, I, I still remember that. But that night I was sitting, about, uh, sitting back there about where Brian is. And they give the invitation. I was miserable. And here come a little six, seven-year-old girl down right across in front of me and down to the altar and got saved. And the Lord said, that little girl can trust me. And you can't. Boy, that broke it, Caleb. I went down to the altar. I wasn't supposed to, nobody's supposed to know, but I couldn't hold it in no longer. I got down on the altar and prayed and cried and announced it and told it. And uh, the rest of it's history. Amen. Amen. And I preached that first sermon out of Matthew 8, O ye of little faith. Because that was me. It involves steps. It involves others helping you. And the will of God can involve suffering. He said in verse 16, I'll show him what great things he must suffer. Just because you're in the will of God, don't believe these Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin, and the rest of these liars that tell you that if you're in the will of God, you'll never be sick. You'll never this. You'll never know that. Paul was sick almost all his ministry. He had a doctor that traveled with him, Dr. Luke. Oh, it may involve some suffering. It may not be sickness. It may be heartbreak. It may be betrayal. It may be somebody turning their back on you. It may be somebody saying, talking about you. But the will of God involves suffering. Verse 17, the Bible said, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Straight street. Saul was spirit-filled on straight street. Got filled with the Spirit of God. Now you have all the Spirit of God when you get saved, but the best way of saying it is He don't have all of you. And when we yield completely to Him, then He gets all of us. And Paul was that much like Jesus. You see Jesus in Luke 4, the Bible said He was filled with the Holy Spirit and He was led. And He begins His public ministry right there. And Saul was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he's going to begin his public ministry. You say, what is being filled with the Holy Ghost? I don't know, but if you ever get it, you'll know. Amen. 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 You'll know, Paul knew. Listen, the Lord desired this. Did you know the Lord wants every one of you filled with the Holy Ghost? That scares Baptists to death. But the Bible said, Be not unwise what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, whereas it in the excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and making spiritual melody in your heart is unto the Lord. Uh, in this generation we live in, I don't think people even think about it. Most of them, like the two old men is down the altar praying. One was right there and one was right there. And this one right here, he was saying, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. And this one here was saying, don't do it, Lord. Don't do it. He leaks. The Lord desired it. Saul needed it. Look at verse 8. And Saul arose from the earth. And when his eyes were open, he saw no man but they, they led him by the hand. You see, Paul, thank God for people that will help you and lead you. 
But you know who we need to be led about? We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And when you find Paul, the rest of his ministry, Paul's going to go here, but he's led of the Holy Ghost, and he said, you can't go, I forbid it, go over here. You know, you know the good part of the Christian life is to yield to the Holy Spirit and let Him lead us into all things. Amen. The Bible said He was led by others, but then, then He was led by the Holy Ghost. After He got filled with the Holy Ghost, He was led of the Holy Ghost. You ever heard people say, well, I felt led to witness to Him. or I felt led to give this testimony. That has some Bible grounds. The Holy Spirit leads us into doing things. Amen. And you see, when he got filled with the Holy Ghost and started being led by the Holy Spirit, other people seen it. You say, how'd they see it? Well, verse 18 said he was baptized. And the Bible said God gives the Holy Ghost to them and obey him. And I know we get the Holy Ghost when we get saved. I know He comes in, makes us abode, and seals us, and He ain't going to leave us, and He guides us and helps us, and He's the witness inside of us. I know all that. But I'll tell you one thing. If you get full of the Holy Ghost, you'll want to obey God. They won't be no full of the Holy Ghost and say, well, we're going to go to church this morning or not. There ain't no full of the Holy Ghost and saying, well, what are we going to do tonight? We we going to the movies or we going to the ball game or we going to church? No. Did you know all the people that was here this morning, all the people that was here, this place was nearly full. And if they say they're led by the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost told them the same thing tonight He told you. You need to go to church. You say, what happened? They didn't obey. The Bible said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. You say, what's that mean? Well, it don't mean they ain't sons of God. It don't mean they ain't saved. But sometimes people are led. They was led, but they didn't follow Him. Amen. Well, others seen it. Look in verse 19. Have you ever been to Straight Street? Have you ever had a service where the Holy Spirit just, just filled you up, boy? Amen. You're getting a good service. This is too long of preaching for 4th of July Sunday night. But I'm enjoying it. But sometimes when you're getting a good Holy Ghost service, you'll get filled. Somebody else will get filled and it will spill over on you. Somebody else will get happy. Somebody else will get blessed and it will come over on you. I remember years ago in the old building, boy, we had a great service. The Holy Ghost moved in. And uh, I mean, it was great. The boys were just little. And they, them kids ain't dumb. Don't think they're dumb. They know how to work you like a puzzle. And my boys had learned whenever we had a good service down at the house of God, they could get anything they wanted. As soon as that service was over, one of the boys said, Daddy, can we go to Dairy Queen and get a hamburger and some fries and a milkshake? I said, sure we can, son. We'll buy the place if you want it. We went down there. Man, I'm still back there in that service. And I went up to the window. And the lady said, can I help you, sir? I said, yes, ma'am. I need, I need uh, three cheeseburgers and three milkshakes and three fries. She said, sir, did you say three cheeseburgers, three milkshakes, and three fries? I said, amen. <laughs> I'm still back there. She said, what would you say? I said, oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. But sometimes you'll get them spiritual hangovers. You get in a real good service. It'll linger around a while, praise God. You won't wake up with a headache. You'll wake up with a heartache. You won't do something for God. And so, verse 19, I'm talking about Straight Street. Have you ever found Straight Street? The Bible said in verse 19, And when he had received meat, he was strengthened, and then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus.
Saul found a new fellowship on Straight Street. The Bible said, Then was Saul certain days with the disciples. Greatest fellowship there is in this world is God's people that are right with God. It's coming together. I don't know, 14, 15 of us showed up yesterday, the men. Then we have a good time. And after we got through, we come back and was in the fellowship hall, and I just noticed everybody was just a laughing and a talking, fellowshipping, and having a good time. Now, us men do that about once every three years. Them women do it once a month. They meet up there once a month. My wife says, you men need to do that. I said, honey, you don't understand. Men are not like the women. But I tried it. We had a prayer breakfast. and Jack said he could fix the best gravy anybody ever eat in their life. He scorched it. Have you ever eaten scorched gravy? You can't eat scorched gravy. And all the men come in. I'm talking 35, 40 men come in sitting around the table. And I'm over there. And I think Mike McGuire's fixing some kind of a sausage egg casserole. And I'm over there doing coffee or something. And I look back over there because it was so quiet. And all them men were just sitting there at the table. Just looking across at each other. And to myself, I said, I told her. <laughs> They're not the same. But the best fellowship that you'll ever get in is fellowship with God's people that are right with God, the church of the living God. You say, why? It is an accepting fellowship, praise God. If you really, truly get saved, the church will accept you. Amen. They'll see it. I know it said the disciples on further down was afraid of Him. But I also know what verse 27 said. But Barnabas took him. Brought him. I'm glad there's some folks that take you into church. When I got right with the Lord down at Brotherhood, our visitation committee consisted of Georgie Houchins, and he's about 80 year old. Two or three other old men and a, me, a 20 year old man. But they trained me about visitation stuff. Jesse Bowles, uh, I bet some of y'all ain't thought of him in years, had you? Man, Jesse, he, he, he didn't just have a Thursday night visitation. He had visitation all week. And uh, he, had, he had a group went Monday night, group went Tuesday night, group went Wednesday night, group went Thursday night. And I'm so on fire back then, I go every night. Amen. And they go out. And Georgie, uh, old brother Georgie, and uh, God bless his memory tonight. Back then they had the had that flu going around. He said, Brother Rick, it's awful, ain't it? This old Rickagee flu. Refugee. The Rickagee flu. And Georgie, he, he went to the house one night. And this woman had one of them little old uh, Chihuahua dogs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hate them things. And Georgie, Georgie went up. And knocked on the door and that little old dog, he said, this woman's got a little old dog. I hate that dog. He said, you can't do nothing for that dog. So Georgia got him a can of mace. That little old dog come out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Georgia sprayed it. Dog fell over dead. Woman come out crying. What happened to my dog? Don't know. I was trained by the best. <laughs> Accepting fellowship. I'm glad the church will accept you. I don't care if you was a drug addict, a harlot. I don't care what you was. If you really get saved, church will take you in. If they don't, there's something wrong with the church. It was amazed fellowship. Look at verse 19. The Bible said in verse 21, but all that heard him was amazed. People amazed when you got saved. I know folks was amazed when Eddie Wade got saved. News started going around Donnelly's. They're still amazed. But you really get saved. Have you ever had a 
Have you ever been on straight street where you had an experience with God and folks were amazed that you quit drinking, you, you quit running around, you quit cussing. They said, what happened to him? Jesus. They were amazed. Let me say this and I'll be done tonight. Look at verse 8. The Bible said they led him. Look at verse 19. The Bible said he received meat. Look at verse 25. He gets in trouble and they let him down in a basket. You say, what are you saying? It's an aiding fellowship. God's people will help you. Yep. If you do right, act right, really saved, you get in trouble, God's there'll be somebody out there, God's people will help you. Amen. The Bible said that he received meat. Somebody had to feed him. They fed him. Amen. Church is an aiding fellowship. You get sick, here somebody stands with a bowl of soup or or somebody stands with a bag of chicken or They'll feed you. They'll help you. Then uh, the Bible says they led him. Sometimes God, you know, God's got people. Sometimes we, we make the wrong. I know the Holy Spirit leads us, but sometimes we just need somebody to, to not just come right out and be mean or blunt, but just kind of nudge us a little bit. You're kind of going in the wrong direction been praying for you they'll, they'll lead you and then the Bible said they let him down they helped him they helped him they held the ropes for him boy I tell you what I like about a good church and a praying church and a, a loving church and a caring church they'll help you they'll hold the ropes for you you get in the hospital get sick they'll They'll pray for you. God's will may be done. And it may not be what you want, but they'll be back there praying for you. People don't realize what a good church is really worth to your life and family and home. A good church. Have you ever been on Straight Street? I hope you have. If you've not, this could be Straight Street right here where you can meet the Lord. Father, thank You tonight for liberty to preach.